first. Uh, we began in November of 2009, and Ty came to California for my ordination in May of 2010. With uh, Ty, you remember, we just did, we acted like we were only going to be in existence a year. So we <laughs> did everything. We put on a show. We had a picnic. Right. We uh -huh. um, had the ordination. We did everything we possibly could do in order to celebrate the birthing of heart and soul. And Ty, I shall always forever be grateful that you were an integral part of the launch and I believe our ongoing success. Thank you. Let me tell you that the music that you, that I asked you to bring to us today, two mm -hmm. songs that uh, Ty Stevens wrote y'all, the first one is, or the first one we'll hear is I Come to You and then Spirit Rising. Both of those songs, Ty, I have been using in my prep for today. Can I just tell you, God is good as you. <laughs> you, you were doing a thing with this music. And I am so grateful. And I know that it will bless our congregation today. So I'm going to go off Mike, because this could be the Sunday. This could just be <laughs> me talking about you and sharing how much I love you and how amazing you are, because my real fear is that I'll try to burst into song to try to do <laughs> some, of the, some of your music, and that would just turn it out. And so rather than turn it out, I just wanted to take this moment to acknowledge you and thank you for all that you have poured into heart and soul over these past 13 plus years. I love you, Ty Stevens. And I love so you. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. And congratulations you. on 13 years. Thank you. All these years later. <laughs> yes. I, um, it's moments like this after a powerful, and by powerful, I mean just a deeply loving prayer, one that pours into me and that I can feel the benefit of it immediately. So it, it feels like being drunk in love, I'm guessing, drunk, the drunk part. But it, 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 it does feel like an altered consciousness just to have heard it just to have allowed it to pour on to me. On this adventure in faith, I am so grateful that in our devotional, our chant is, God is all there is. And then to make it clear, because it's a little redundant when we say love is all there is. Because what is love but God, the divine expression in all of the ways? There's no way to capture, you know, like with greater specificity what love is and what God is. It's just, those are just words that can't begin to describe what we can feel in that. I am slightly distracted, Ron by something here on my screen. So while I talk, I'm going to ask you to come fix that for me, please. Um, last week, 
I used as central to my talk my 600-pound life. And I wanted to make certain that, well, I have more to say about that, let me be clear. And I also wanted to be certain that no one, that I wouldn't leave anyone with a sense that I was body shaming in any way, shape, or form. My sense is that the folks who know me that would be at Heart and Soul, etc., but I don't know where this might be broadcast or live streamed or seen later, but I want to be very, very clear that I'm using it, thank you, Ron, as... <laughs> I'm sorry. What was there was a window about this size that was covering part of, I was concerned that when I got to a part, it might cover something I needed. And when he walked away, something was covering the whole screen. <laughs> and so I'm not clear what, what was happening, but I know he is. So with my 600-pound life, what I'm using it, I am sharing it with you, and I'm not even suggesting that you watch it. Because I think if you watch it, based on anything I say, I want you really tuning into it with a sense of, well, I don't know how many of y'all have had practitioner sessions. But because I have, and I have also provided them, when I hear and watch Dr. Now talking to the patient, it reminds me of a good practitioner session because what he is saying, what he's standing in the principle of understanding how life gets to be the way it is. So for anyone who comes to him, and there's a process in order to get to him. Nobody just walks in off the street and says, you know, I'm here. First of all, over 600 pounds, you're not just walking in off the street anywhere, probably without a specific arrangement because that much movement has to be intentional. So we know by the time we get to see it on television, first of all, it's all over by the time it's, it's televised. They're not televising it while it's going on. They have gathered all of the pieces that they may or may not show, and then they put it together. It's then produced in a way that is going to be shared with us. So I'm just, we, we have to be clear how we're watching it. What we get to see and what struck me is that it was us. It was us that each of us has our 600-pound life that we are dragging around. Now, for most of us, it's not body weight. But it's our fears and our doubts. It's, it's our trauma or what we perceive as having been traumatic. It's what we thought happened and shouldn't have. It's what didn't happen and should, and should have. It's the stuff that we are dragging with us everywhere we go. Now, when it's weight, it's easy to see. You see it coming. For folks of African ancestry, well, let me not speak for the whole entire group. Let me just say that there are those times. I remember decades ago, I was going to rent an apartment. And a friend who, who 
went with me to the, the, the viewing of the space. Now, I had been talking to the manager, the apartment manager, oh, for weeks. For weeks, it might have been a month, because when I called, and what I was looking for, what was available would have done, but he said, you know what, if you can wait, there's going to be one available, like next month, that is, and I was like, that's it. And he was like, okay, just stay in touch, because, and I'll keep you informed. So I would call, and he got where he recognized my voice without me having to say who I was, and this was pre-call ID, just so you can be clear about all of this. And so when, we, when my friend and I got there to see the place, she said, when we pull, I pulled up and parked, she said, this is the place? And I said, yeah. She said, they don't know you black. And I was like, everybody knows I'm black. She said, have they seen you? I was like, no, but what is, she said, you've just been talking on the phone. And so, no, they don't know you black. <laughs> and I was just like taken aback. So sure enough, when we walked up, I'm now looking for his expression. And he began to tell me that the place was no longer available. And all the story of what had happened since he had last talked to me. And I mean, I had already explained to you that we talked for a good while and were friendly in that way. And he was looking forward to me being in the building. But like my friend said, I gave good phone and he did not know I was black. And so there are those times when some of us carry some of that where we go. And as we step in, we recognize that much like carrying 600 pounds of weight, we carry the weight of a perception. So this 600-pound life, we's all living it. And so when I, when I talk about what is happening in that series, first of all, I need to tell you that it was originally named, when he first proposed it, his son actually, Dr. Now's son, is actually, I guess, directing it. I know he's the camera person. So he went to him with the idea. It was originally entitled Last Chance to Live. And what I love about that reveal is that sometimes folks come to, to science of mind, to, to this philosophy as a last chance to live. I need a mic I can drop. It's here somewhere. Because what happens is that where we have been before, where we have brought our heart and our soul and our, our willingness to be in spiritual community. We've been rejected. We've been beat up. We've been, we, we have been perceived as unacceptable. And that somehow the doctrine allows folks to keep us out. Now, for some of us, this is not new. We know that folks who look like us or act like us, who seem like us or are perceived like us, have been ostracized. 
from a number of systems. So when I see him working with these folks, and I see it like a practitioner session because ultimately he's going to ask them to stop doing what's not working and start doing what will work. Bottom line, I'm just synthesizing it. Ultimately, whatever is being said in that is stop doing that because that ain't working. And start doing this because this will work. But you got to bring faith into, belief into the scenario. Because I've watched him tell people who are only there, like I said, you can't accidentally get on the show. The camera doesn't just come in and find you somewhere and then run him in there. All of this is coordinated and requires so much to have happened in order for any of this to show up. Just hold it for a minute. Um, in order for any of this to show up. And yet we see patients who want to argue with him. But that's us. See, this is not so that we can start... Uh, this is not so that this can be our entree into cancel culture. This is not so that you can start laughing or, or joining the criticism online. This is so you can see yourself. This is so you can, that's what happened for me. Is I looked up and I was like, what are you, what, why are you wasting his time? Why are you sitting in front of him? Why did you go through the whole process if you're not going to do it? And then I thought, Andriette. Kind of comma, Andriette. And I thought, oh, Lord, I'm going to watch this show. Because this is me. I'm on the show. I'm going to watch me and see how I do. See if I recognize my good being offered to me and see how quickly I get me to it. Or whether I got some questions. Are you sure? Ain't nobody else doing that. Why should I? This, I've never heard of anything like this before. What are you? It's us. I want us to see ourselves because too often we can live entire lives having never seen ourselves. And we just, <laughs> give it here. <laughs> they have found my drop mic. <laughs> Somebody said you're getting close to needing it. <laughs> But look, I need us to look at ourselves and see ourselves more clearly. I know the way we are designed as humans, our eyes lead out. Oh, so we got all the information, more information than we can use about the world. But we hardly know anything because we haven't turned the eyes in. And that's a lost art. <laughs> But I have found through, you know, every now and then I'll find a reality TV that really speaks to my heart. Now, it can be a hot mess, but you got to look through the hot mess for the healing, for the opportunity. And everybody can. So I'm not assigning it because I don't know where you are on the spectrum. I don't know if you can watch it. 
without calling people names. But if you find that all you see is an opportunity to criticize and judge, this ain't a show for you. You're going to have to find another way. But if you can watch it and see you sitting there, even though you've never been that size, the size, that size ain't it. They're giving you, this is a gift to you. This is, and I don't use the word salvation often, but this seems to me to be our soul salvation. For anybody who can get to it, and everybody can't, let me just be clear. You may, you may not be the one who can watch it and see the truth. You may only be able to, based on your own kind of evolution, if you will, your current place in consciousness, you may not be able to watch it just yet without simply seeing 600-pound people. But if you can, the gift awaits you of you seeing you. Ianla Van Zandt, you, well, the show is still on. Uh, it's no longer, it's just in syndication, thank you. Um, in one of the segments, and I don't even remember what was going on with the, per I don't recall what was going on with the, the uh, guest that was on, but Ianla assigned the guests to go out and take rocks and write a word on each rock. And the word was like what was going on with them. It was their fear about the father. It was the doubt about the mother. It was the this with the sister. And it was this with the work. And it was that and blah, 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 blah. And just, and you can imagine if somebody gave you an unlimited, what appears to be an unlimited number of rocks and you were like, ooh, it gets good after a while. You're like, I need some more rocks because you got more to say, right? There's some old stuff. It's like, you know, when you start out, you're like, oh, these, I don't need all these rocks. I just need two or three. But once you get going, you see what I'm saying? You begin to feel like, oh, yes. The person didn't know they were going to have to carry them around. Because they had been carrying them around. <laughs> see, there were two areas of unawareness. One is that they'd always carried them around. And two, that they were going to have to carry them around on the show. But we're always carrying it around. The, the 600 pound, my 600 pound life, I just get to see how that feels. What it's doing to me. The consequence of me carrying all that around. Yes. And we get to see the choices that we make. What I want you to know is a decision, a choice, and ultimately a decision had already been made to go on the show. Little non-disclosure agreements had already been signed. The attorneys had already, okay, whatever the thing is, you know, by the time you see it, all that is up. Because they're not about to risk. So all of this is done, and yet there's a moment when he says, here's what you're going to have to do. And I say, we say, why I got to do that? 
you mean I'm going to have to? And then no longer? And if you don't know better, it would appear like this is the first time they ever heard of this. But can you see that this is us? Because imagine if we start having people wear a little tag for how long they've been practicing this philosophy or been exposed to it. Practice is a whole new word. Let me take that back. How long they've been exposed to the philosophy. You know, some of y'all would be, be, <laughs> be playing your numbers. I mean, I could just see when people would be like 10 years, you'd be crossed up to be five. You, because you'd understand that if you were walking around with the 10-year, I've been immersed in this for 10 years, I've had access to it for 10 years, but you'd want to pretend like you're a two-year person. Because, <laughs> you know, you can show out at two years. They're like, you got all that at two years? But at 10, they're looking at you a little askew. <laughs> like, how long you been there? You, you thought that the, what, how, what? Where were you? But this is us. This gives us an opportunity for us to see ourselves, kind of to catch us in the act. You, you know I'm, I'm playing with this Advent time that, that Advent is set up so that it coincides with the birth of the divine and of the, the, the hmm. Yeshua that the world ultimately came to call Jesus. In our case, we are simultaneously using this time for the birthing of our divine self, our awareness of the divine in us. Both things can happen at the same time. So whatever you're believing in, we are simply using these days, this season, to shine the light in a way where we can be about the business of highlighting our divinity because it's there. See, that's what I think Dr. Now is doing. He doesn't use this language, but he's saying within you is the divine. I'm here to help you let that out. And some people go for it. They're like, okay, all right, this is hard, but I'm going to do it. And they go home and they, oh, this is hard, but I'm doing it. And they do it. And other folks are like, I'm going to need some pizza. And I'm not making that up. I just watched one where she literate, and the person, because she was well over 600, so she could not have gone to get pizza. And the person said, no, you're not, you're not to have any pizza. <laughs> Do y'all know? And slowly <laughs> turned. Do y'all know <laughs> what that is like <laughs> when a person's face changes? And I, I kind of overstand why that person went and got that pizza. Because she turned into, it was a whole other aspect of her being that was like, get. <laughs> In our household as children, we were big fans of the bad seed. And in the bad seed, there's a, Bring me those shoes. <laughs> Sorry, I have lost track of, forgive me. 
this may be the one thing we not go, we go, I don't know. I am like, what? if I'm on the bad seed, you know, we're, <laughs> we're on the ride. <laughs> we, we are on the ride for sure. But it was just this moment of, you could get why somebody would say, okay, <laughs> I'm getting the pizza. Who we? And who in our life do we do like that? Who, who's in our life that is standing to say, no, you know, we just read this morning the Daily Read. Just this morning we did our affirmation. And you're like, don't tell me no, 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 no affirmation. If I hear affirmation from you one more time. You know, but the, isn't that us? This is why you're laughing now, because you know that's you. You know that that's us. You know that's how we do ourselves. Even though we've sought out the answer, and the answer is being given to us, and we're like, I did that already. And doctor now to me has the patience of Job. Because I kind of want to say, then you're excused. Bye-bye. And I don't mean that from the level of my spirit, but there is something in me that is just, I pretend like I'm tired right away. Like that just wears me out. And it doesn't because I know that there's a part of that that is me too. And I know what that's like when I'm resisting my own good, when what's being offered to me is my highest and best, and I act like I don't have sense enough to just say yes. One of my favorite scriptures, and I never understood it until I understood kind of a sense of why I probably love it so much and enjoy it and often return to it, <coughs> excuse me, is from John 5. And it's the story of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And I knew it was me, but I never saw that it's the 600-pound life because it's exactly that. So all we have in the 600-pound life is Scripture on TV because you know that there's that moment when the man, and we get to find out that it's a certain man. And any time I believe in Scripture where it says it's a certain woman and a certain man, it's that there are some specific requirements for what's about to happen. This can't be just any man. This has to be a certain man. The circumstances need to be kind of just right. Needs to be 600 pounds. Needs to know that this is the last chance. Needs to have been there 38 years is the way scripture describes it for this particular man. So with that 38-year thing, you got to know that he was probably begging. He was probably getting his resources from begging. And, and, and not unlike today, there's the view that folks can make more money begging than they can working. So that may be, you, can you see how we, do the, how we do the begging shaming as well? However, when we talk about economies of scale, there could be the truth that a beggar, a certain beggar, could make more than a certain laborer. Can, can you see that? So, so we're not talking the whole industry. 
We're simply saying that there are some circumstances under which that one. Could, so he's, I, I want you to know that in every case, there's something to give up. That's why we're not making our changes. Don't act like you don't know. I mean, we look at the man and we're like, why didn't he just, well, why didn't you? Why didn't you just? Because that's what's unfolding here. So we know that, that the master teacher, Yeshua, that ultimately, the world ultimately came to call Jesus, said to that one, that particular man, because he had kind of all of the thing. I'm, my sense is that the way that they select, they don't take every 600-pound person that comes for the show. There's a process. And so they're selecting. And so he selected somebody and said, essentially, Scripture records that he says, wilt thou be made whole? <laughs> scripture also records that he didn't just say, heck yeah. Come on, let's get it. <laughs> do the thing. What we need to do. Instead, he did what we do. We got a story. Well, you see what happened was, When the angel would move the water, I would try to get down the steps to it because it's the pool at Bethesda, and there are about five levels. And when I got there, somebody else would run in before me because, you know, after all, I got this whatever it is I got that keeps me from feeling and acting whole. And fortunately, the master teacher is none of us who would have said, okay, whatever. I'm going to find somebody who can just say yes. Instead, says, get your stuff. Get your stuff and get up out of here. And in this case, he does. But look, kind of the, the, the rest of the story, the, the consequence is that it's the Sabbath. So there's, there's, see, somebody could say there's always something. Always something. Because he knew it was the Sabbath. And that on the Sabbath, he can't carry his mat. It's against Jewish law. So you see, what we have here is an example of, see, what I love about all of this is you don't have to be the perfect student in this. This is not where you must say yes right away and only yes in order to get in the game. So he starts out telling the story. What had happened was, and he still moves. He still responds to the edict. He still responds and follows the instruction, even though it can have consequences. Because I find myself sometimes thinking, well, what if he said, well, <laughs> could you come back tomorrow? Because today, I can't take the mat today. But you know, some of us would have. Because, now we haven't been doing it, you know, the straight and narrow. We haven't been on the straight and narrow. But all of a sudden, it's the straight and narrow that we're going to follow. It's the letter of the law. Now, we haven't been able to spell law up until now, in a manner of speaking. You know what I mean? Our, our connection with the law is really thin. But in this moment, 
we're going to speak on behalf of. You, can you see how we are? I'm just revealing our relationship with our highest and best, our greatest yet to be. The good news is that he says yes, and he follows the instruction. In that moment, he knows something. In that moment, he knows. Ty Stevens wrote a song, I Come to You. Part of the lyric is, I come to you when fear and doubt are calling. I run to you when I feel my spirit falling. I come to you when I feel my life is stalling. Somebody needs to say amen on something. Before everything I do, I come to you. I really heard the words, seek and ye shall find. Wait a minute, Ty, you didn't, I don't think you could hear the response in the room. But that resonated so with so many of us. One day I really heard the words, seek and ye shall find. I realized to change my life, I had to change my mind. Lord, that those, that that went together, it's like an aha. That is not new for any of us, except that it's new for all of us. It's new every time something comes up. It's like we must build that same muscle again. I don't know how to explain it, but look, I want to go to, to Matthew 3 and 2 and also Matthew 4 and 7 because this notion of repent is present in these scriptures. It, in 3 and 2, it's where John the Baptist, as a part of his preaching in the wilderness of Judea, said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, no one had been speaking of it in that way before. You know, it's always in the hereafter and the beyond, but it's at hand. Now, your hand may be some distance from your face, but only so far. At hand gives you a whole other sense of of your relationship with heaven, a new heaven, a divine idea. You are already there is what is, is being conveyed on some level here. In Matthew 4 and 17, it's we now meet Yeshua after John the Baptist has been taken away. And this is where Yeshua begins to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, in school, in high school, I studied uh, Spanish and French. And so the word for think, pensar, to think, or pense, or, or pense, exactly, would be, it's to think. So I always thought, especially when I started um, studying metaphysics, that repent 
is to rethink because the root word is the same. So I have always held it that way. So I'm not coming before you now inviting you to redefine it because that's not what the dictionary says. It has more to do with regret and etc. But that's not where I am. I use it as the using it as um, the the kind of Latin or the Roman languages um, root word to think. And when you put re in front of it, it's to do it again. So to rethink it. And when I think about Ty's lyric in that is this, this call, that this awareness that I've been asked to seek and find. And, and once he realized that that's what it was, he realized that in order to change my life, I had to change my mind, which to me is that idea of rethinking it, revisiting it from a new perspective, repenting, changing it. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What you want is before you 600-pound people, you got to rethink what you're going to do next. Because too often, as our 600 pounds, because, you know, we're carrying our rocks. We're carrying our lives in ways that weigh us down. And too often, we are, we're looking at the past in exactly the same way. I have so many times in my life where I recognize that I froze the past. And every time I look at that situation and circumstance, now this is interesting when I think about it, because it's not my whole past. For some of my past, <laughs> just for some of, oh well, bless me. Um, for some of my past, I have already transformed it. That's not true for me. But there are other little special things in the past that I, uh-uh, don't touch that. Uh-uh, don't, don't be breathing no new life on it. Don't disturb it so that I might have a different sense of it because, what? There's something in it that I'm not willing to shift, which means there's something in me that I'm not willing to shift. That's all it could ever be. That's all it could ever be. And of course, the way I'm describing it is not the way that we come to it in awareness. But this is why I watch the show. Because I get to see myself and I'm like, oh my God, I'm 600 pounds. And I'm carrying around old beliefs that don't work. And then I'm arguing to keep them. And then I'm trying to teach the doctor that that wouldn't be a good thing to have me do. Is that even legal or is that even right? Can we just, no, can you, you see how we do? And this is why I thought, oh my God, this is like a practitioner session sometimes. Where people go to it, nobody makes anybody go. They show up. And you lay out, this is how we're going to do it. And then the moment you say, well, now here's what would make a difference. 
I have to do that every day? Well, only if you want the change. Otherwise, don't bother. But some of us have to work with our language and being with people. You know, Dr. Now just tells people often on his show, the scale doesn't lie. The scale doesn't lie. Because he's used to, look, this, this idea of, of rethinking and how we imagine and, and sense what is happening and what's going on. So there's this, this, this vision that I see in my mind's eye that requires that we that we consciously and intentionally at least launch our imagination. This isn't where you just open the gate and let your imagination run wild. There are opportunities for that. This ain't that. This is where you begin to imagine. <coughs> Excuse me. where I'm inviting you to recognize this tie setting. You're going to have to change your mind in order to have the shift. Now here's the thing. <clears throat> Seldom does the one with the challenge, while they're still in the challenge and the problem and the whatever the situation, circumstance is, while they're at the effect of it, seldom can they see the solution. Clearly. Clearly. They see it and they usually say, ah, oh, that ain't it. Because that's too simple. If that was it, I would have done that long ago. What would be beneficial for us is to develop a listening for truth. To develop a listening for truth. So that we can sense when something is for our highest and best. Because it's all around us. That's why in this diagram there's sensing. So first of all, you're imagining whatever your vision is. So as a 600-pound life, and we all have one, a living one on some level. <coughs> so the idea is we're imagining what would be right for us. On that circle graph of life, is it around relationship? We're just going to focus at a thing at a time. Maybe it's around relationship. Maybe it's around uh, creative self-expression, which would include however you're earning your money. It's around prosperity. It's around health and well-being. It's in the circle graph, what is it for you? So you're imagining an outcome that you sense is beneficial. This is this idea, when, when we're declaring from Revelations 21 a new heaven and a new earth, what is the new heaven? 
It doesn't magically appear, but you're not going to live in my new heaven. I'm, that's not me keeping you out of it. That's, that's me simply saying my job is not to create your new heaven. That's your job. A new heaven. What is your new heaven? What is, what's your heart's desire? Because your new heaven will manifest as a new earth. That's the demonstration of your imagination. Earth is the formed. That's all that's representing here, is what's formed. In the beginning, God. And then we go through the process in Genesis as it's recorded there, and we have our living experience on some level. Now, I'm not here to tell you that Genesis is, I'm not giving a literal interpretation of that. Do not go there. I'm simply saying that form, however it got to form, is the earth. I don't mean the earth literally. I mean the formation of your divine idea. The kingdom of heaven is at hand because you're living in it. And your heaven may smell like hell. But that's of your own designing. You get that? Any question about that? I mean, for real, for real. Any question about that? This notion of a new heaven and each of us having responsibility for thinking, imagining, sensing, feeling our new heaven into divine formation. A new earth. A new formed experience. Any question about that? This idea of behaving as if, to me, means as we behave, we behave. Our behavior calls to us. Our behavior is our vibration. Our actions. You can feel the, the high energy of our actions. And our behavior, sometimes we can't, you, you must really be an adept to see somebody's thoughts. They can be seen. <laughs> but most of us are so busy hiding our own till we can't see anybody else. Because that's not how it works. It doesn't work that you hide yours and you can see everybody else's. You may say that and play that as your game in life. I don't believe it's true. So energetically, Behaving is action. So it's a, it's a higher energetic, if you will. As we behave, we also behave. It's about us imagining and believing. From... Lyrics from another of Thai songs, Spirit Rising, a joy that my new life's about to start, that spirit's rising. That's the energy of that. 
can you imagine you behaving in the energetic field of your awareness that a joy that my new life is about to start? Is that what John the Baptist was saying? Change your thinking. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. A joy that my new life is about to start. That's spirit rising. Spirit rising in me, lifting me up, setting me free. What? One of the ways that we allow spirit to rise in us. Yes. I ask that you join me in prayer as I just in gratitude and thanksgiving for Ty Stevens and his brilliance and creativity and his beautiful voice and the way that he brings it all together. Those words of spirit rising. Spirit rising in me, lifting me up, setting me free. Oh, I'm so grateful. So very grateful for knowing that there is one life. And it is divine spirit. It's the living one, the strong one. It's the all in all by any name. Jehovah, Allah, God, by any name. It is the one. One life, one love, one breath, one being. Being me. Breathing me. Living me. There is but one lifting me up, setting me free. Oh, I declare that that is my, my life, my life intention, my life vision. Spirit lifting me up, setting me free, free to be, free to do, free to have. This is the truth for anyone and everyone who is desirous of this truth in their active awareness, in their behaving, in their behaving. Oh, I speak this word now from a place of oneness, accepting divine oneness. God is, I am. The living one is, I am. The strong one is, I am. It is breathing me even as I am breathing the breath of divine. Right where I am right now. Right where we are right now. The whole perfect and complete nature of the divine is. Father, Mother, God. I give thanks for this sense of seeking and finding right where I am right now that heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right here for me, for each and every one of us, right where we are right now, the whole perfect and complete nature of the divine is and is unfolding according to our willingness and divine availability to express it. I speak this word now that it be a word of, of correction, a word of, of 
setting it straight in a way that for anyone who is willing and available to this shift, that the correction, infinite possibility is applied here in just the perfect way for the most ideal outcome. Oh, I'm giving thanks for the shift and change, the divine transformation within each and every one of us as we let go of our 600 pounds to 599, to 550, to 450, to 400, to 300, to whatever is our divine vision as we peel away everything that no longer serves. Oh, I give thanks. It is in divine gratitude and thanksgiving that I simply release this word into the perfect activity of law, that I accept it as so, that I know and I know that I know that it's done and done well, and that I know that this word cannot possibly return to me void, but must absolutely produce in like kind. And for this too, I am grateful. I simply let it be, sealing this word by saying, Ashe. Amen. And so it is. And then declaring that love matters.